story of the Queen Isabella Causeway collapse. All right, so Robert, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot, man. Still episode three. Episode three. So we're we're on our mission to chipping away at everything that's going on with the Queen Isabella collapse story. It's coming along. It's coming along. It's coming along. And uh, today we have a very special guest. And uh, why don't you cue that up for us? Let us know who's going to be coming on. So Roland is um, Roland Moya was with me on the boat that night, and he's my cousin. His uh, late father and my mother are siblings. So, somos primos hermanos. And uh, his brother, Leroy, who has still not yet reached out back to me to let me know whether or not he wants to participate. We're still, we still got our fingers crossed. Um, but Roland did say that, uh, you know, due to the weather, he couldn't come into the studio, but he would love for us to give him a call and uh, we could pick each other's brains and kind of toss around what happened that night. So Yeah, I think that's super important because we just don't want this to be from your point of view. Correct. We want to gather as much information from this and dissect everything that we possibly can because you quite possibly could have missed something. I, I'm sure I did. I'm yeah. sure I did. Um, you know, there were, there were four sets of eyes that night. Um, Tony, Leroy, Roland, and myself. So getting Roland's input and intake or memories of that evening should uh, should prove useful awesome and before we before we call roland um we did reach out to the port isabel police department mm -hmm. and we are going to try to get the uh the 911 calls from that night and uh when i text you that i was like are you prepared for that i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i'm not you know i i don't uh i'm i'm curious to know um how many people called you know, because there were there were people fishing on the pier that evening as well. You know, so they had a clear view of what was happening um, that evening too. So I'm assuming that that not only us who were on the boat got to see everything called because we all immediately started calling. I'm sure other people, people at uh, you know, that were maybe closing up Pirates Landing, maybe the staff or just other people who were driving around. I'm curious to know how many people called, and I know I myself called from the boat and was threatened by the the lady who was answering the the 911 calls. She, uh, well, there were several, but the first lady um, hung up. You know, she was like, "Sir, you know, this is you can't be called crank calling or misusing this. It's a you know, it's a lifeline to other people. It's important that we keep these lines free, and you know." Called again, said the same thing immediately after I hung up on her, and the next person even told me, we, you know, we can track your phone. We know where you're at. You can't be misusing this service. Um, it was obvious to me that what I was witnessing couldn't even fit in some people's in in their imagination. You know, they couldn't even fathom that that even when a 911 call came in, they still chose to believe that that bridge was intact and that there's nothing out there that could have affected it. Yeah. So I'm, I, I am curious to see how many um, how many 911 responders um, reacted that way because I know I experienced it. Yeah, 
it's going to be very interesting phone calls and we're going to try to get that as soon as possible and then of course we'll have another podcast just showing that and also at the same time we're still trying to get those affidavits so we're on a search for as much content as possible to it's our crusade now yeah we got to do it so with your all's help of course uh help us help us along the way to help this uh story live again because with your help with this is rgv history and i think with everybody's help putting just a little bit in we can tell a bigger story that's bigger than you that's bigger than this that's bigger than anything maybe we should set up like a phone number or something where people would call in and be like hey man you know i I experienced this or i was on the pier yeah you know x story that they might have um i think it'll prove interesting yeah absolutely all right so let's get down to the meat and bones of this uh this podcast let's call up roland and uh let's let's see where that leads awesome let me get him on the phone here we go Hey, you rolling? What's going on? Not a whole lot, brother. What are you doing? Nothing, man. Good, good, good. Listen, we're we're recording already, and what's going on, Roland? It's Josh Morales, man. Hey, Josh, how's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for doing this, man. Uh, I know it means a lot to to Robert and, of course, everybody. What we're trying to do here, so. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I heard. Uh, I got to hear. Um, got to hear both versions of it uh well not versions but both uh, episodes or whatever you want to call it uh pretty spot on man so whatever i could add to it is, is pretty pretty good absolutely and i think that's what me and robert were talking about is that we want to try to get as many people's perceptions of what happened that night that way because uh, obviously he can't remember everything and you are in one place, you have different eyeballs on everything. So we kind of want you all to have that, have that conversation about what you saw differently than he did. Right, right. So I'm going to step out and you all do your thing, man. Hey, Roland. So <clears throat> I texted you yesterday. I said, hey, man, what time did the first um, 911 call come in? Or like, do you remember what time it was more or less? And you're like, yeah, I was at 2, 2.02 a.m. Um what do you remember that um, that really stands out about that night? Because it was late. Well, here's, here's, the, here's the big part, and and, and and I think when when you, we you finally get a hold of the our our written statement to the Port Isabel Police that we did at the Port Isabel Police Department, I think it's where you're going to really see where all this ties together. Where we're not just a bunch of guys that were bullshitting about what happened out there. But one of the one of the biggest things that I I think I mean maybe you didn't remember because you weren't a part of it. Was uh, when I call. I know the reason I know the time of day that it was is because when I called the nine one one. I don't know. You, you're, just gonna, you're gonna get goosebumps right now. Remember that I kept saying they got. Hey, by the way, this is the Tarantino version. So I dropped a couple of f bombs. <laughs> no worries, man. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But remember, I told you, man, they got some fucking foreigner on the on nine one one today. I, the guy can't understand me, and I and I called back again. 911, and it was the same guy that answered, and he had this real strong, um, it wasn't even Mexican accent, because I even tried speaking to him in Spanish, uh, but like a, a Middle Eastern or, or, or Indian accent the guy had. And, 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 you know, and then we brought it up, you know, it's, it's going to be in my testimony, because I was, I was pissed about it, because. Um, it's ringing a bell, yeah. man. I remember you kind of like yelling at the phone and stuff, but everybody was calling 911. Yeah, and and the thing about it is that what how I remember it so big is because I was really pissed about it because I, I mean how how could you you know it's a couple of days after nine eleven we're supposed to be on high alert 
Um, how do you not have someone at the 911 call center that, that's going to take any call seriously? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so um, I mentioned this. Uh, so the boys know what's going on. I kind of tell them, hey, play this. You know, your Uncle Robert is, is, is doing this podcast. You know, tell me what you think. Because I think the kids don't really understand what a big deal it was to what we did. They don't. You know, it's they just, have no idea. Yeah, it's just, no, it's just like, you know, my dad went fishing and for them, it's like, we helped them, we helped some guy with some gas, you know, that's their, that's how mild it is. It is in their, their minds. Well, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I guess, uh, Aaron had mentioned it to, to hope, which is my ex-wife. And so I just texted her and I said, Hey, um, any chance that there's a file there with, um, some of the stuff for the, from what happened on, on the causeway. And she was like, yeah, I got, I got a boatload of this stuff because remember she worked for she, Frank. I remember that. That's right. In fact, that's how Frank came into play. We were, I was telling Josh that after the accident, the Texas Rangers and all of these, you know, federal entities gathered us up and like hauled us to the police station and threw yeah, us in the yeah, broom closet. And, and let me tell you something you, you also didn't mention that with it, it really got me chills and really freaked me out. Is that when we were walk, we walked over there. It was, mm-hmm. kind of, it was a short walk. Yeah, they walked remember, us. Yeah, but remember when we made the curve around the building and all the families were there saying, did oh, you see this car? Did God, you see that car? Right, they were family members on the other side of the yellow caution tape holding up pictures yep. of their of their loved ones of the, and of their... And, and, Dude, you did give me I, goosebumps I, right there, bro. Like, real talk, I remember that. And, and there was a lady holding... A picture of a red Mustang that we all saw go over. Oh yeah, and and and, and it seems like every car that there, did you see this car? Did you see that car? Whatever. Every, every single car person. They, every every car they said, did you see? Yeah, we we, we saw it. I know? remember that, that clearly and, now. And then and then the one thing that's just burning my brain, man, is the the grandmother of that little kid. That little I don't even know his name. Uh, Welch, I think, was, was the little blonde little kid. Mm-hmm. The grandma asking us, did you see? I, mean, I don't remember what car, but of her face, because asking us if we saw it. No, and us knowing yes we did yeah. right? and then later no, putting putting two and two together who she was but I remember the grief on that lady's face mm-hmm. man, forever haunts forever haunts that little boy lost both his parents that night in that crash yeah Roland yeah. I told this to Josh the other day what were what would the attorneys refer to that child as do you remember the golden child the golden child you know speaking speaking of, of douchebags like um because I mean, they're all douchebags. The attorneys, they were all involved. They were there to help and benefit. And, and that's why we were silenced, Robert. Yep. They they needed our... They they, they were leeching off of our emotions. You know, we were a all thousand dying percent. Post, post, post-traumatic stress. A thousand all, percent. All of us. And and they didn't care that we were suffering from what was what we, we went through and the haunts, the memories, the, the, the nightmares. They didn't care about that. They, what they cared about was we, you guys need to be a part of this because we need you not to say anything that's not going to help the case. Correct. I and so I kind of, I kind of, I kind of started like you know. So I mentioned this to Hope, and she's like, "Yeah, let me get this file together." Um, I know I got it because after after she quit, um, and the I mean, the case was already put to sleep, um, she kept the, a file on us, but she kept copies of us. So she's going to look for that, and I'll get, I'll have her. And I'll that have would be her, phenomenal. You know, send it to. I, I bet I bet you I bet you those statements are in there, so there's not even any need to have to go through any you oh, know open records request. Phenomenal. Hope did work for I, Frank Enriquez, who we all know uh, took his life too. I remember being in the in the Brownsville 
a courtroom and all of these attorneys would oh man i'm so i'm so i had i took notes robert and that's like number five you skipped number five on my notes <laughs> yeah no, the, Dude, these the, attorneys the, no, because, were giddy over this accident man oh and they would God. joke yeah. and refer to that child yeah. as a golden child because they knew they were gonna have they a big knew payday. they were gonna have a huge payday and oh yeah huge those sons of bitches would just be laughing and joking and as soon as the people who lost loved ones would come in or start you know shuffling into that they would their demeanors would change and they would like a fucking switch they would just wow. turn it off and yeah I see. And, 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 and no all of a sudden everybody's it. real grim and bleak and and we were disgusted with it man and i remember well, having that conversation with roland and everybody damn. And the important thing is the reason that we got to witness this firsthand is that we were a bunch of kids that were in there. They didn't know who we were at the time. Mm-hmm. We and, and we we got a little dressed up, you know. We, we thought we were going to be in front of cameras in the courtroom, et cetera. So they probably thought we were assistants to these all these attorneys that were in there because we were the first ones in the courtroom yep. before the families were. And I remember specifically, you're going to remember this part too, bro. This was a federal courthouse that we were in, and the defendant lawyers had flew in mm-hmm. on a private jet and mm-hmm. the reason I know this and I remember this is because the guy was sitting at the at the where, where the judge sits at the at the bench right mm-hmm. he's sitting at the bench and he put his boots up on the desk man with a total disregard and respect for a federal courthouse for a yep. federal court building I remember that and, everybody um, kind of gasped a little bit like what's yeah. this guy doing and so, what, so when Frank came over to us and it was it was actually a mediation it was not anything else it, it was it was a mediation why we were there to mm-hmm. and I remember they threw out this low ball number like you know this is what we're gonna we'll give to the families or whatever and I remember Frank telling uh, someone no you know we're not gonna we're not gonna go with that whatever the family you know, this, this kid lost uh, his parents you know people are, are dealing with this the victims we were there we were there as witnesses and then later found out that they threw us in the mix mm-hmm. as, as, a, as, as part of the lawsuit and that's kind of a shitty thing that Frank did, and you know he's not here to defend himself, but you know fuck him, you know he 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 really did he did wrong on us. So so left. what exactly happened with that then? Well, this is what happened. We 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 we, we you know we Robert mentioned it. We suffered uh, burns, scrapes, bruisings. Um, we got tossed into, the, and everyone was a part of it. And the the, the deal that, that we went on for going as part of the lawsuit is that if they weren't fine with it, then, you know, we'll just go our happy way and that'll be the end of it. Mm-hmm. But they wanted us to be a part of it because there was a huge debate that night, and there probably still is today, whether the causeway lights were on because people will say, you'll hear more people say that they were on than that they were off. But we were there firsthand. Correct. You know? We're the ones that saw it crossing the bridge. You know, the barge didn't turn off the, the lights on the causeway. They were already off. They were already off. That is correct. A yeah. thousand percent. So the, the, the impact didn't turn the lights off. It, they were already off. And when we started sharing that story and started being a part of it, well, now you think about it, the county and the state that maintains the, the, the highway and the lights, they don't, want to be, they don't want to be dragged into that. So what was the best thing to do? They threw us in with the lawsuit. Pay you off. It was... Um... It was sketchy. The whole thing was sketchy, man. The, from the attorneys to, um, you know, they would uh, dress us up and bring them with, uh, bring us with them to these mediations, you know. And 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 I remember on the way over uh, with Frank in his, he had this what was it, like a big suburban or a Cadillac Escalade or something that he would uh, drive us 
all over there. It was all, you know, he was all smiles and, you know, oh, yeah, happy, yeah. It was, laughing, it was, and, and then he would coach us right before we got off. Right, prep guys. you. Yeah. All right, now everybody shut up and no more laughing or joking or, you know, talking about BS. Now you guys are our witnesses. You know, now you guys are this and this and this. And we're like, well, all right, you know. We did suffer. We did get oh, yeah. burns, and, you know, and, and, and they just, it was a total disregard. Wow. Well, I think the biggest thing was the mental stress that we were under, the, the, the you know, the post-traumatic stress that, that we had suffered when this was said and done and we finally got the diagnosis. I know that I never got to see another person to talk about what was going on. And, mm -hmm. and that goes back to why, why Robert took the approach of let me write this down. And yeah. I remember you writing some, some books, Cherry Falls or something like that. I yeah, remember that you was the some first stuff. name that I wanted to call it because the taillights of the cars falling in the dark water looked like there were little cherries falling off of the wow. bridge. And that was, uh, was one of the names that I wanted to uh, name it. And then a movie was released named or called Cher Cherry Falls. So then I changed it to a cry from our queen. Roland, let me ask you this. What, what do you think about what Robert's doing now with this whole thing is, is pushing this out with all this information? Well, I think, I think it's good in, in so many levels. Um, it's very therapeutic. I, I'll, I'll tell you that. Isn't it? Um, it, it really is. And, and one of the, one of the most amazing things that, that I would like to share is that uh, Robert had mentioned that, that you know, there should have been other people with us. It should have been my, my brother, his brother should have been with us. And, and more, more importantly, my father should have been on the boat Absolutely. with us. And, and one of the things he said when uh, we got back, and we didn't get back for what, maybe 30 some hours that we were gone mm -hmm. from, our, from, from, from the day, that, from, from two in the morning when this started, we didn't return to our family for about 30 some hours. That's how they we kept were, us we in the custody and in, in, in non-official custody, basically <laughs> just sitting on a chair in a closet or sitting by a desk in a corner as if we had caused the accident almost. Oh yeah. And, and, and I would love, and I'm a screenshot the text message that, that I shared with hope. She said, yeah, I remember you called me and said, Hey, they're treating us like we did this shit. Mm -hmm. You need to get Frank over here. That's correct. And and that's why Frank showed up. You know, we didn't get a phone call to nope. call Frank to come come pick us up. And the the only communication with Frank was when I told my ex wife, "Hey, you need to call him because they're making it fucking seem like we did this." And that's why he showed up. And the only reason that we got let go and things calmed down is because remember that little shit that he had with him all the time, Ray. Ray. He showed up with he, sh he showed up with a camcorder. Mm -hmm. He started camcording, Recording camcording everything, everything, we were, everything right. that was going on. And so they let us go. They, you know, they, they let us lose. But back to my old man. So we, you know, we, we're, we're away from our families for thirty some hours, and we met back at my apartment. And uh, Robert and Leroy had had little babies at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I finally go home and see my dad at his place, and uh, he gives me a hug. And, and uh, my dad said, "You know, I'm very, I'm very proud of what you what you did." And he goes, "But I'm telling you this right now, son. Had I been on the boat, and I'm, and I'm gonna quote my old man." He said, those motherfuckers would be dead because there's no way I was going to allow my boys to get in harm's way to save complete strangers' lives. Mm -hmm. And that kind of chills up my spine as a you know, 20 year old, 21, 22-year-old guy. Like, no, Dad, you're, you're braver than that. You're, you're better than that. Now, fast forward, I had my firstborn child, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. That's exactly what the old man meant. How dare I put my child in harm's way. So that's what he meant by there's those people are alive today because I didn't take that trip. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of were 
dumb for what we did, honestly. But I like to say it's a fix. We were at the right place at the wrong time right. and did the right thing. And did the right thing. Uh, I told uh, I told everybody, Roland, that I told you and Leroy, there's no way, man. I ain't bringing you guys near that. I'm getting you guys yeah, back no, I remember. Home. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that, I remember that specifically. I remember this. And, and when you said I kissed you on the forehead and, and, and on your bald head, and I mm-hmm. said, let's do this. You know, we've we got to save these people's life. We got to I mean, it was, it was something just something just took over, man. It's just, it, you know, um, you know what's pretty freaking crazy is I saw that movie Alive last night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those guys in the Andes get caught in the, in the snowstorm and yeah, yeah, each other yeah. and stuff like that. Well, John Malkovich um, narrates the movie, and it, and one of the opening lines, and I kind of wrote it down because I didn't want to mess it up. It said, uh, "Let me read it here." Uh, there's a God that we are taught in school, and then there's a God that's hidden by what surrounds us in civilization. That's the God I met on the mountain. Well, we met God on the ocean. And all these little things that happened that night made us be there at that time. And one of the biggest things that you forgot to mention, Robert, hmm. the the second week, forget the small craft advisory, forget the the what the the guy at the bait shop and all that did. Your brand new boat was overheating the the first hundred yards from the dock right. because we forgot. We forgot to put the the water hose plugged back in it, mm-hmm. and we were so, already going back to the dock to leave. Right, and that's when we figured out that's and that's when we and that's and that's when we that's when we remembered. Wow, we we, we got to take this plug out so that the water could suck up uh-huh. um, from the ocean. Yeah, but to all pull the motor. That, yeah, so all the little things that happened that night that kept us in that specific area. With God's way of of having us there, and Robert hit it on the head, man. We're not, we're not very religious guys. You know? uh, I, I, I went to church because someone's getting married or someone died. You know, that's right. Um, tomato, tomato. But but all the things that happened that night, and 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 one of the biggest things that's going to come out of this was the whole story about Rene Mata about his mom signaling us to go to that direction. Now, this is another part that gives me chills that Robert forgot to mention. And it, it may be because that doesn't remember because he was, he, Robert was piloting the vessel the entire night, the entire time. But when we got in there, body, lifeless body, it was, he, he finally came to at the edge of the boat. He was a big guy. Robert, Robert hit it on, it was hard to get him up there. Mm-hmm. Blue jeans and everything he was wearing. But he heard Bridget's voice and he yelled out to us, is that Robin? And I kid, right. and we we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, Bridget, Anglo woman, and, and the Anglo names. So we're like, yeah, it's her, it's her. At that time, we didn't even know it was Bridget was her name. And so uh, he, he started to get on the boat, and he goes, Robin, Robin, and she goes, No, my name is Bridget. Bridget. She, yeah. So he goes, Where's Robin? We're like, We're, we're looking for. Her. He, uh, you know, I, I, he thrusted himself away from us as to like give up his life and say no find Robin mm-hmm. leave me alone Robin was with him in his car when they went over yeah Robin was with him they, they found her she was, she was I was kind of reading up on it but the, they found her in the back seat she had passed away that night but you know you think about about other people you know we weren't the only ones brave they were out there mm-hmm. the victims that were, were in there were extremely brave for a, 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 here we are saving his life and he says no leave me alone leave me go alone. save her you know that's that's amazing. He he, that's a hero right there. We we weren't able to 
do anything. I feel so bad. I've been calling him Hector this whole time, and it is, you're right. His I name know, is I'm, Rene. Yeah, Rene Mata was his name. So who was who was Robin to Rene? They, they were just buddies. They were just friends. He mm-hmm. he was she was out uh, with him, kind of distracting because he had been he was living in Houston at the time, and he came down to be here for his mom's uh, services because she had passed away. And I think that was his, like his last weekend before he had to return to Houston. And they were coming back from um, from Padre Island, and this is when this all went down. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what other details do you remember from that night uh, that maybe uh, Robert left out? Um, let me see. When um, the Coast Guard was, was just 100% accurate, and, and, and that's the beauty about these statements, is that they are going, they are like, the smoking gun for us, you know, because mm-hmm. so many people really doubt. Now, come on, these are these are these are trained military. Well, yes, some military people. They're not. It's not really a branch of the military. They fuck with those guys. But these were these. They should have been high alert, and it looked like the Boy Scouts were out there. And the reason percent. I use that word, the reason I use that word, Boy Scouts, when you find these documents that we gave our testimony, I remember specifically telling the cops. It was, it was like the Boy Scouts were out there. They were young. Junior, yeah, it was, there was a junior troop out there that mm-hmm. was doing it. Uh, the part, a little a part that Robert kind of forgot was after they told us they couldn't help us, they sent us to the other side of the causeway where we had to travel underneath, underneath the bridge. The oh. And Bridget and all lost the her shit. Yeah, she lost her shit. She was screaming and yelling, don't take me there, don't take me there, get me away from there. So we had to go underneath the causeway to the other side of the um, of the causeway to, where there was another Coast Guard cutter out there. So basically we had to move from the north side of the causeway where we were conversing with the Coast Guard that had gotten there in a huge vessel. And they said, no, we're not taking those people you have on the boat. You need to transport them under the bridge to the south side and give them to the boat that's there. And Bridget wasn't having any of this because she was afraid that she, something yeah. was going to fall. Her, her, her oh, yeah. trauma I, I, was just, she was oh, terrified. She was, she was, she was hysterical. It was, mm-hmm. it was, she was just screaming and yelling, and, and we had to do it. You know, we were trying our best. Um, a little something else that, that Robert kind of, not, not, I mean, you just, you just remember, not, not that you so remember much. different. Like, mean, everything you're saying just no, well, pops yeah, into my head it, super it, vividly. Yeah, because you didn't. It's not that you don't remember. It's not that you didn't um, get it right. You said you didn't mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, our goal was to get to Gaspar de Nojosa. He was the guy that landed on the pillar of the bridge. That's right. Now we had made the decision. When we, I hate. I mean, back then the word triage. Uh, we, we were thinking we're in the forest, the tree. You know, no. Mm-hmm. We on our on our own were, were able to do a triage at the moment. And we knew, okay, he's in he's in his car, he's not in the water, we'll get him last. We had every intention of getting to him. Mm-hmm. We figured there's people in the water. Um, I, I guess the best way to, to think about it is that when you see these, these movies and documentaries about all the trash and, and, and the dirt that's in India that's just floating on the river, that's how the causeway around us looked. There was Look, floating yeah. debris of, of, Everywhere. of uh, cars, trash. Uh, just all kinds of debris all around us. So for us, finding Jeanette that night was that was a miracle. We had no, we we didn't even see him until we got closer and were almost right on him. Wow. Um, uh, so that that part, Robert, you know, uh, Gaspar, we had every intentions of getting to him, but the Coast Guard really just 
kind of threw a whole wrench in the whole system of, of um, letting us do what we were trying as to do. As soon as there. the Coast Guard got there, we we all were relieved, but immediately disappointed too, because by this time we had already spent a substantial amount of time alone in the dark, flashing a light on everything from, you know, floating ice chests, uh, clothes, suitcases, things that were in the back of people's vehicles, you know, whatever. We're looking desperately for more survivors. And we had had some success and we could hear the gentleman screaming on the pillars. And we could hear, you know, all of the commotion from the people on the pier yelling. And it was just super chaotic. As soon as the Coast Guard got there, they dismissed us very, very uh, abruptly, like, get away from here. You have no business here. And we're like, whoa, whoa, we've been helping. We have these people. And they didn't care. They they just were in awe of what was happening. But zero efforts to get somebody in the water, to get somebody to that pillar, to do anything in regards of helping prevent the loss or further loss of life, there was zero effort. These boats just got there to watch because nobody knew what to do. So what happened to the gentleman that, that was on the pillar? He, he, ended up passing, he ended up passing away, and uh, we got to see them take him off. Uh, whoever got him, we got to see him taking off of their boat and taking to the ambulance. But at the time, we thought it was Rene mm-hmm. because... Um, there's so much miscommunication and misinformation, and even, even if you were to Google old articles, you'll see that it's it's, it's all flawed. You know, twenty, yeah, it's all you know, twenty-two people in the water. Uh, you know, uh, they recovered the the you know the ninth survivor. It, 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 no one got it right. The only one that has had it right and never had a chance to give our version is us. Is us, and it's and it's because we were we were we were silent. We were we were some young guys didn't know better, and the attorneys silenced us. No one cared about about the emotions. No one cared about some ghostly figure, some miracle on the ocean. That occurred. No, no one cared. No one cared about that. All they cared about was who died, who survived, and, and how much uh, can we recover died, from it. And how much can we? Recover. And you know what's funny about the how much? Uh, you could you could Google this and you'll find it. The settlement agreement, not the settlement agreement, but the, the news article about when they settled. Mm-hmm. They settled for nine million dollars, and there's a quote. And I didn't write it down, but if you Google it, you'll find it. That uh, the guy says this could have had seventeen million, but they kept fighting for more and more and more. So they wasted eight million dollars of the insurance money uh, fighting for a bigger settlement because they weren't going after they weren't going after the barge company. They were going after the barges themselves. Brownwater towing. Wow. Right. So that just goes to show you uh, the greed that these lawyers had, and and I, I don't say lack of education of any person involved in the lawsuit. I see lack of the know-how of how lawsuits happen on how settlements are, are agreed upon. And everyone was in the dark. And uh, this, this lawyer, Ray Marchand, he was the lead He was the lead attorney on it because you can't have all, you can't have 17 lawyers up there arguing. So they put him as the lead attorney. And um, it, it, it's the greed, you know, you this guy, this kid, this golden child, and I hate to say it, but that's the word they use. That's what. That's and, the know, only way I can refer to him, Roland, because that's the way all the attorneys would refer to him. Yeah. I, I never even learned his name. Yeah, I, I think I think I think his name was Walter only because I, you know, I remember seeing it when I was recently looking through all the news articles and stuff like that. Um, there's a bigger story, man, of, of, of you know lawyers being douchebags where they could have been so much more. 
you know, um, I, I blame a lot of things in, that have happened in my life on me suffering from this post-traumatic stress. I never got the help I needed. Uh, Robert never got the help. Dude, needed. as soon as we settled the lawsuit, as soon as all that dissolved, Frank called me and said, "Hey, man, if you want to continue to see uh, your your therapist, uh, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to pick up the bill yourself." I'm like, I paid for that up until then. Yeah, and, it was a, and it was a hundred and it was hundred and fifty a pop. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, I remember. Yeah, I remember you calling me. You were just off. Yeah, I was like, dude, what, this is helping me, man. And you were like, "Well, just keep writing your stuff, Rob. I mean, that's what you've been doing." And and that's how it stayed. But yeah, as soon as as soon as they recovered that monetary value, cut you off. They didn't give two shits about anybody, not the people who survived, not the people who perished, and definitely not the four guys who were out there risking their lives to save people. Damn. It and, just and completely that, and dissolved. The, and that's the main reason that you'll never see an article or a picture of us in the anniversary um, uh, ceremonies they've had every year since, mm -hmm. is that we got such a bad taste of what he was doing and what the other attorneys were doing. It wasn't. It was a publicity stunt for them. It was a way to get their name in the newspaper at our expense. At the and expense at of our, the tragedy, man. Like, at the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. At the expense of the tragedy. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't care what had happened. It was just a matter of how much are we going to re recover from this wow. for us. Let me ask you this, Roland. Um, Twenty years. It's been a long time. Do you regret, like, not telling the story earlier? Obviously, the gag orders for twenty years, but like. Going into year one, to year five, to year ten, to year fifteen, to year twenty, like how how has this been itching to get out of you? It it's been you know the story's been shared with friends, close friends, family members, and and stuff like that. And and you know Frank said it clearly: you can't go after the, the Coast Guard. You're not going to get nowhere with them. What, so why why share the story that they showed up being dicks and asking for a cigarette lighter and. And that's, you know that's burnt into my head, man. Hey, hey, hey! Don't yeah. worry about that. Does anybody have a lighter? I need a light. I need a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's 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 gonna it's gonna be in our statements, bro. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's in our statements. You right now, it's gonna be in our statements. And it's 20, 20 years ago in a couple of months, right? But no, I, I remember that night clearly. I remember the smells, the taste. I remember even what some some of us were wearing. Mm -hmm. And um, the part about it, your question of of I wish I could get the story out. Is we we were silent. We were told no, don't. There's no need to do that. You know, uh, <clears throat> let's be honest. We're, we're a couple of days after 9/11, and 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 it was it was not a big deal compared to the thousands and thousands of lives that were, were lost at the Twin Towers and other places throughout America. But it was a huge thing in the valley, and I think that they were the lawyers were saying you're bringing too much negativity to it by saying. More people should be held accountable. Oh, and back mm -hmm. to Robert. You think Robert? Where the second interview we were talking about the, how we went back out there with the, the frogman to get him out. Yeah, uh, it was it was a border patrol agent that was in the water. You remember you calling him Tubby? Oh, that's right. It wasn't a DPS trooper. No, I remember you yelling at the guy saying, "Hey, Tubby, move your fucking boat because he was in the way." <laughs> that's right. And we had to get there, and he was like, "No, you can't get there." I said, "Get your shit out of the way, man. We're going in." Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and yeah, so back, back to your question, Josh, is it is that um, we've shared our story with, with people, with friends, and, and um, I like I like that Robert's a great fucking storyteller, man. Uh, Thank I told you. him, I talked that after I heard the first one, I said, man, you've got full permission to, you, to do my eulogy. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 puts such, he, puts such, he puts such passion into it, and, and I'm just a straight, you know, shoot from the hip kind of guy. But, um, 
us being silenced, us not knowing better, and us kind of agreeing, I guess you're right. We shouldn't put negativity out there. We shouldn't put mm-hmm. um, all, all the bad shit that happened. Hey, man, Karma's a motherfucker. Where are these guys now? Ray Marchand, <laughs> fucking, fucking dead. Frank, fucking dead. Other douchebags that were there are in prison for, for other things, and, and everyone got their taste. The, the good karma, man, we, we did we did our best out there, and, and I feel we're living that it. everyone on... We're living it, man. I'm living it right now. I, I get to kiss my boys every night. Exactly I get, right. uh, uh, you know, I get to, I get to experience my. I, you know, I lost my father two years ago in December, so the, the holidays for us are terrible. Then his birthday is in February, so that's even worse. So for the first, you know, for six months out of the year, we're just thinking about the old man. But I, I just, I've been told I'm proud of you twice in my life, and the first time was saving these people. Which really didn't mean, really mean much at the time. I didn't I didn't understand what, how proud you could have been of me. Um, and the second time he told me I'm proud of you is that uh, I have a I have a 18 year old son now that has been openly gay since the age of about 12. And when my father found out that uh, I was all right, son, this is we're gonna, this is how we're going to do it. You're, you, this is where you want to live your life. When he and we're in Florida at the time. So when I had this conversation, hey, you know, uh, uh, Aaron came out and he said that he's gay dad. And so uh, he wants you to know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, are you okay with it? And I said, yeah, absolutely, dad. He goes, well, I'm proud of you. <laughs> wow. it's, it. it's amazing. It's amazing how caring for people and loving people unconditionally, whether they're strangers that we saved that night or my flesh and blood mm-hmm. were were the two proudest moments my father had of me, and for me, that's the biggest. The biggest that's the biggest thing. win. And he agreed. That's the biggest win. Yeah, I've won. I've won. There's no amount of money that could have been given. There's no. There's no. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people try to profit off of this. I'll be really honest with you. There were some people that, that you know Frank was trying to get his name in every every media outlet out there. Um, he had some guy, big lawyers from Houston, talking to Oprah and talking to other. Uh, news agencies trying try to get, to get us this on, bigger, yeah. but nine eleven was the big story at the time. You know, we we weren't we weren't the big story at the time. Um, I, I didn't need none of that. You know, my father telling me he was proud of of, of that night uh, was enough, and I didn't realize that until years and years later. It's funny because when you say that, that we had very little appreciation for or realization of what we had done that night, uh, and that you didn't come to feel that later. It's very true, man. I, I was numb to the actions that we did because I was so overwhelmed with the with the PTSD afterwards. So it, it didn't matter that, that we did this or that we did that. I was dealing with what I saw, not with what we accomplished combined in our efforts to save these people. Now, um. I am proud of what we did that night, man. And I, and I can detach myself from the fear and from the anxiety that that, that night would induce uh, when I think about it sometimes. Now I have a very, very clear understanding that uh, that we did something that saved three lives. And they're out there and they're still living and they're still with their families. And that's, uh, that's a hell of a thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and, that's, and maybe that's the blessing in it being 20 years later and finally all this coming true, uh, coming, coming out, because mm-hmm. you would have had you would have had a version of an angry young man. Yeah. To, uh, yeah a year definitely. ago. I mean, a year, a year after five years, even 10 years. I yeah. mean, 
10 years ago, I think 10 years ago, I was probably going through a divorce at the time. Dude, yeah, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head. We weren't, we weren't in the right state of mind. To uh, share, you know, Robert, to yeah, we weren't. We weren't. None, none of us were able to share. We, we would have had too much emotion in it. We'd have too much anger in it. Now, it's just, it's, it's better to have a story perspective of us being proud of what we were able to do and not consider ourselves anything we did that night heroic. I think what mm-hmm. we did that night was stupid. I think what we did that night was stupid because we could have we could have been a part of the casualty. I uh, but, I gotta agree with you, man. But stupidity is something we uh, we run well with. Oh no, yeah, we run well with stupidity. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 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 a totally different other podcast right there. <laughs> hey, Roland, let me ask you. Um, about the lady in in the water in the white dress or the white blouse right uh-huh. uh right. when when we got to this point and and i got a lot of feedback from a lot of people that i shared the story with that's kind of where they either like yeah this is bullshit or this is where they tune off but tell us your experience with this because this is real no it's, it's absolutely real and and the part about you know i mean come on i, I my, my son my son heard something in the attic last night and I said, no, oh, come on, it's bullshit. You're not hearing anything. So I, I could see how people could easily say, yeah, right. That you're hearing things, you're seeing things, blah, blah, blah. The problem with, the problem with that is that when you've got six people, two of which are strangers to each other and complete strangers to us at the time that have the same story that remember it exactly. That's enough evidence. It's undeniable. You know, you you got more people say you got more people say there's not UFOs, but guess what? You got a, a several out there that have seen them, that are, that have witnessed them, even maybe have footage of them. So you got to be kind of on the fence of you know, well, maybe they exist, maybe they don't. But when you have six people separated, because we were, were not allowed to talk to each other in in the Fort Isabel Police Department, we they were completely all segregated, com- like in different yeah, rooms. We, we couldn't even see each I, other. I, wow. No, we couldn't even see each other, and. We didn't get to say our story, go sit down. Collaborate or tell, anything. Well, yeah, what, what you telling? Did you, what, did you mention this? No. We didn't get to see each other. We went back as a group again until um, Frank had came. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they got Brid- Bridget and, and Gustavo's uh, written statement first because they had to, you know. They, they had needed medical to attention, too. Yeah, they needed medical attention. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think they ended up getting the uh, name later at the hospital. But I don't know what mm-hmm. what his version was because he was in and out of consciousness. But you know what I say to that is that um, miracles happen, man. Uh, you know, uh, uh, God with a big G or a little G exists out there, and and, and good things happen to good people. And um, even now, you know, I I, I just lost a, a buddy of mine that was uh, in high school, COVID, yesterday evening. I'm sorry. And, uh, I went to bed. I went to bed last night. And I'm like, God damn it, everyone! You know, you're dodging bullets out here left and right. Every time you go to the supermarket, every time you go do things, because um, COVID's a real deal, man. That's a real deal out there. And 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 as, as horrible as it sounds, I say, fuck, man. Why me? You know, why? How am I so lucky? And I just think there's there's a bigger bigger thing out there. There's a bigger picture out there, and we did it. And and the scary part is that. Um, about our stupidity that night is that you kind of get numb to tragic things and you're the first one to want to jump head in, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone says, you know, I, I, I'd run into a burning building or I'd jump into a water to save someone drowning. You know, until you're put to the test, until you see it happening live, you really don't know how you're going to react. 
And the one thing that I, I could tell you without a doubt is there's some shit going down and, and me and Robert are there. Robert, I'm by myself with her. All four of us are on that boat. I could tell you without a doubt. Well, I could, uh, my first question is, so who did he save? What did they do? Cause you've got that, you got that, I wouldn't say confidence, but you got that spirituality in you that says, I, I'm, I can't be hurt. I, I have to do this. I have to save this. I have to be a part of this. And Robert, 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 poetic motherfucker when he was talking about, everyone does want to help someone. You do want to give directions to the guy. You want to help the guy with the, I mean, I just messaged a guy on Facebook right now that needs firewood because we're freezing our asses off over here in San Antonio. I just messaged a complete stranger a little it's while ago. It's in us, man, to want to help, to be uh, yeah, I got I, I got firewood up the ass. You want to meet me out at the ranch? Come pick up as much as you can load for your family. And we're all Good. part of that. And, Good. and, um, you know, I, I, I got, I got off the track, but back to the, the lady, back to the lady, 20 years ago, we wrote this down as, as an, as an, and it's an affidavit. So, you know, we couldn't even bullshit because they made it very clear. Anything you say to us mm-hmm. has to be accurate. You can't bullshit. And when you tell a young 22, 22 year old guy that, you know, he's going to tell you the God honest truth. There's no, there's no need to stretch it. The story itself is amazing, but anyone who doubts it, give us, give us, give us a Give us a few moments. Give us give us time to find these affidavits from six people. Jaws are going to drop, Roland. Jaws are yeah, going to drop. Yeah, man. It's amazing. It's amazing because our entire story hinges that we've on shared it. with yeah. you, not only hinges on it, but it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to see it in everyone's perspective. You've yet to speak to Leary and, and Tony. Um, when you get a hold of Gustavo, Gustavo and, and uh, Bridget, you're going to hear the woman that we saw, the woman that we were next to get and it ended up being Jeanette that we saved mm-hmm. so what are the main things that you want people to get away from this once this is all out and once everybody's told their side what do you hope that people are going to get out of this from the Rio Grande Valley specifically being such a small community and, and let's face it you know when I was a kid my dad used to think man in 10 years we're going to be as big as San Antonio well guess what dad it's been like 30 years and we're not even near the size of the valley is and will always be a small community. Uh, the valley is, is a real tight community where people want to do good. And you got a couple of bad apples out there, and, and, and you just got to ignore it. But I think if you live your life every day to just 100% and try to do good, try to do what's right, and when you're given the opportunity or you're put into a position that, you know, do I fight or flight? If you just take this story, take others, there's so many stories out there, people that, that help complete strangers. Um, I see it every day with this, this COVID. I see it every day with this, this weather we're having. People are helping people. Um, don't rely on someone to come help you. Don't rely on the government to come help you. Don't rely on, on, on anything like that because that's not what's going to happen. If you wait for it, it's going to be horrible. You know, my dad had this badass joke, and you probably heard it the time you have. Um, there's a, there's a big massive flood coming, right? Everybody's warning this, this, this farmer about it. So the flood starts coming, the water's rising. The guy in a, comes in a big truck and says, "Hey, get in the boat. I mean, get in, get in the, get in the truck. I'm here to save you." No, no, it's okay. I'm gonna fight it out. Water starts raising higher. The guy comes in a little little canoe. Hey, get on, get on. I'm here to save you. I'm here to save you. Now nah, I'm gonna wait it out. I'm gonna wait it out. The wires up to the roof already. The guy's on the roof. The helicopter comes. Hey, you know, we're here to save you. He's like, no, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to wait it out. So finally, the guy dies. 
guys in heaven and tells God, God, you know, what happened? What happened? You know, I relied on you so much. I, I needed your help. Why didn't you help me? He goes, motherfucker, I sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter, and you didn't get any either one of them. That is your dad's so point. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, man, you, you know, go help with, comes, go with yeah. your instincts. Help comes from, from help the comes people in, around help us. Comes in, yeah, help comes in so many ways. And if, if, if you're not going to let yourself get a hint of it, you know, take a chance on, on what's out there if someone's trying to be do, do better for you, then and you get lost in it. Well, Roland, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story. I know I know we tried to do this a little earlier, but when it's time it it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. So things happen as they should. Things and unfold yeah, the way yeah. they can. Uh, well I appreciate I appreciate your guys' time, man. I'm telling you, Robert Robert's a perfect guy to tell the story, you know, when thank you, you finally edited all this stuff. I'm sorry you got the Tarantino version, but that's just how it that's that's right. I warned him. <laughs> okay, good, good. Look, Josh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Let's forget about what me and Robert shared. Let's forget about all the all, all the, the story. Let uh, get these get these statements. Yeah, and let them speak for themselves. Them yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Absolutely. That's, that, that's just the way it's going to come down to because um, you're not going to have opinions. You're not going to have emotions. You're not going to have anything. You're going to have straight from the shot statements that we gave. But which, by the way, were were not even written or typed by us. It was, they had someone else do it for mm-hmm. us. Three well, we different did, ones, correct? To, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, and we did get to read them and make changes if we wanted to. And, and I know there was a couple like, no, 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 there was this name and his name, you know, the small stuff that we corrected. That instantly, that that minute, um, when the statements are out, when you get, get a hold of them, and I'm trying to get them for you guys. Believe me, I think I think I'm going faster than, than what you guys are. That doing. would be great. But I think yeah. that, I, I think I think that's where it's really going to come together, Josh. And people get to read what was written. 20 years ago. So here's, here's, here's a time capsule that we have access to of what our thoughts and what we saw 20 years ago. And then compare them to what we spoke about. And you're going to see that, uh, uh, six people, two who were strangers to each other and to the four of us all saw the same thing and witnessed the same thing and shared the same. Immediately after an incredibly traumatic event. Wow. It's just there was no time to prep. It's not like we had any time to meet with Bridget or Gustavo and say, hey, we're all going to say this. No, man, this is what everybody saw. Amazing. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is not going to be the last time we got rolling on the phone. So uh, not, once again, we'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, we're going to keep chipping away. And with your help and, of course, with everybody's help that that's watching this or listening to this, uh, we need your help. This Help us tell this story the right way. That way we can get as much facts as we can and, and share this story that's bigger than anything that we'll ever do. I love it. Awesome. Roland, I love you, brother. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. See you guys later. A true story of the Queen Isabella Causeway collapse.